1: Welcome to the DFO Rundown podcast with Frank Saravalli and Jason Greger on dailyfaceoff.com.
2: Welcome to episode 242 of the DFO Rundown brought to you by Batano. 19 plus, please play responsibly. The game starts now at batano.ca. I'm Jason Greger alongside uh, Frank Saravali, and uh, we are inching closer. We're into the month of October which of course means uh, baseball playoffs and uh, Frankie's Phillies are, uh, are in Ty's Jays are in. So uh, we'll talk about that a little bit. And uh, we are nine days away from the opening of the 23, 24 NHL season. And uh, we are going to do previews, Frank. So uh, first of all, did you have a good weekend?
3: Yeah. uh, Got back from Calgary on Friday night and uh, yeah, it was
2: kind of a nothing weekend after that. Yeah. Well, uh, Philly fans before like, the
3: storms, so to speak.
2: Yeah. 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 Your team knew you were going to make the playoffs. And so, uh, now it's a matter of uh, let's see what happens. Of course, uh, MLB playoffs beginning tomorrow. I do love the new format. Best of three. Uh, I always like the wall card. I get it was exciting, but it was one game. I thought it stunk. So uh, I like a best of three.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's kind of high drama because it means so much, you know, you lose the first game, especially if you're at home and, you're on alert the next day. Your season's on the line. So uh, it's Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It, it goes quick. And uh, what's your thoughts on the Phillies? Uh, I think the Phillies beat the Marlins and lose the Bra- to the
2: Braves. Hmm.
3: Well, that the Braves. is the sober fan yeah. view.
2: Well, the Braves. Are, I do wonder, because baseball, you never have time off. I wonder if this long of time off will actually hurt the one and two seats. We'll
3: so last year it did. Now, in this same format, um I do think there's something to that. I also think there's something to the Braves having clinched a month ago they they clinched the division a month ago, so yeah, if you look at their results since then they went on a significant downturn, and it's human nature, right? You take your foot off the pedal, it doesn't really mean anything. however, did any bad habits creep into your game, et cetera, et cetera so um I don't know. We'll see. The Phillies beat the Braves in the same spot
2: last year, so I don't know. All right. Well, today we are going to uh, every every show here. The next four, we'll preview a different division in the National Hockey League, and uh, we might as well start in the uh, division of the Stanley Cup champion, Las Vegas Gold of the Knights. But uh, we'll finish them. We'll we'll start at the uh, at the bottom. And uh, you know San Jose or Anaheim? I guess you pick your poison on who you think is going to finish seventh or eighth. I'm not sure there's much debate over uh, somebody else finishing seventh or eighth no. in this division. It, it seems a, a lock that it's going to be those two teams. Um, I guess let's start with San Jose, Frank. And is is there Life anything that excites Carlson? you? Yeah, is there anything that excites you in San Jose?
3: Uh, no, I thought they were a really difficult team to watch obviously the last few years. And then it was basically just the Carlson show. I think the one thing to watch from an insider perspective this year is how do they begin to tear down the roster a bit more? Like they've got a long way to go and it's scary because they're already at the bottom, but Tomas hurdle has seven years left on his deal. He's Mm -hmm. 29. Uh, Logan Couture. He has four years left on his deal. I think Couture is a prime trade candidate. Um, I don't. I'm sure teams aren't going to love the contract, and we know, of course, that the Sharks chewed up a uh, retained salary transaction on Carlson, so they've got Burns on the books for the next two years. They're only they only have one slot left. It would make sense for them to leverage that one slot, even if it's for the next few years, to try and generate a significant return. For uh, Couture, and then when it comes to some other guys on their roster that'll be trade fodder this year, Anthony Duclair probably a deadline deal. Uh, I could see someone giving you something for uh, Barabanov, who's a pretty decent player, forty-seven points last year at only two and a half million bucks. Uh, They've been trying to move Kevin LeBanc for years. He had a bit of a bounce back year, if you want to call it that, and then kind of finished strong. So, I'm not sure if he can improve his stock. Mike Hoffman is a pending UFA as well. Um, and that's sort of the extent of where things get interesting for the Sharks.
2: Yeah, they got a lot of new faces, right? Um, you know, Mike Hoffman, Anthony Duclair. Uh, you look at Philippa Zadina. I think William Eklund's not a new face, but should be a regular in their lineup uh, this year. Jan Ruda on, uh, on the back end, Kyle Burroughs on the back end uh, Mackenzie Blackwood and goal. So they have a lot of new faces. I, I really don't think it's going to uh, improve them in the standings very much. I'm not sure how fast of a team they are. And last year, Frank, I don't know if they had much of a defensive structure to be honest from the coaching staff. So I'll be curious to see, uh, if that changes, uh, anywhere, obviously you mentioned they have a boatload of UFA forwards who have one year left. And, you know, some of those guys will be looking to say, Hey, couldn't, uh, can I have a good season and maybe get traded? And I'm not sure any of them will, will get you a lot, but you know, San Jose, I believe the San Jose Sharks organization had never really fully bought into their rebuild. I think this is year one. I know they've already missed the playoffs four years in a row, but I think this is going to be year one. And uh, as I've talked about many times, it's it's usually eight years because they don't have a ton in the system Right now, despite them missing the playoffs the last few years, um, they've, you know, a lot of their top picks are are really small and I'm not sure they're all panning out. So this is year one, Frank. I think this is the start of a a real long, tough stretch for San Jose Sharks fans. You know, they got one of the richest owners in the league, so it shouldn't be a problem. But, you know, I think crowds in San Jose are going to show it. And this is going to be a tough time. I think Logan Couture, you're bang on, right? Would a team take Logan Couture at half price? Four mil for, for three and a half years, let's say, gets traded halfway through at $4 million with the cap going up. Someone's taking that for sure. Yes, 100%. And and right now, they already have $7.5 million in dead cap space, either retained salary on Burns and Carlson or buyouts from uh, Martin Jones at a really small amount from uh, Rudolph Balsers of 300 grand, which ends this year. And then, you know, next year, it jumps down a little bit. But you know, they're going to be in a rebuild and you watch, they're going to have, you know, 10 million bucks, I think next year over in uh, in dead cap space, just from, you know, getting rid of some of their veteran guys. And it's, it's going to be a long haul for the sharks. It's
3: kind of a bizarre summer because for a team that should be trying to tear it down, they added pieces that like, theoretically, like they're not going to improve significantly in the standings because there's a, there's a limited upside or upward mobility in their own division which we'll talk about. I think this is the hardest division in the league. But they definitely, like, it's going to prevent them from truly bottoming out. Like, Jan Ruta had a tough year in Pittsburgh, but I think he's a pretty good defenseman and probably will help things. And Phillip Zadina is, you know, I don't know what he's going to be, but he's super motivated. There's no question about that. And Anthony Duclair and Mike Hoffman and LeBanc, all these guys are playing for contracts, Barabanov. Like you've created this dynamic that in theory should help you get better assets and picks, but in the short term might actually
2: prevent you from getting a better pick this year. Does that make sense? Potentially, but I'm I'm not sure. Keep in mind, they lost Eric Carlson, right? So our, you know, all those other guys, <laughs> no one's making up for Carlson directly. Maybe, maybe they improve in small places elsewhere, but yeah. Like the motivation for the sharks is, and that's why I said they were never really in to rebuild until that, now because they kept getting, but the thing is, Frank, they don't have young guys that they can even give opportunities to. That's the problem.
3: That That's all I'm asking is what is the plan? Mm-hmm. What is the cohesive plan? It's like, well, we're going to, what I see is, is something scattershot that's being put together that it does. They're not really sure what they're doing. Are they yeah. getting better? Are they trying to get better? Are they getting worse? Are they tearing it down? Like that wasn't adding Jan Ruda and adding all these pieces is not a tear down. That's adding. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so I, I'm, I'm lost. Like just tell me what they're doing.
2: Yeah. Well, they had to take on some salary, right. To, to move Carlson. So that's part of it. But um, yeah, the sharks, Sorry, Sharks fans, I think it's going to be a long year for them. Um, They will battle the next team, Frank, the Anaheim Ducks. And I could say the Sharks might finish seventh, depending on how long it takes for Zegris and Drysdale to get signed in Anaheim. Because obviously those are, you know, they're easily two of their top five players on the team, right? When they're healthy. So that's two significant players out of a lineup that isn't overly deep. So when you look at the Ducks, obviously their big move, Uh, they signed Alex Kalorn at 6.25 million. So, so he comes in. They've got some young players. For him,
3: missing the first six weeks of the year too.
2: Yeah, man, not great. Radko Gudis, uh, Ilya Labushkin. I'll say this: opposing forwards, keep your heads up. The Ducks got two really physical headhunters uh, on the back end in uh, in Gudis and Labushkin. But you know, without Jamie Drysdale, you just you, you look at their blue line like Cam Fowler. You know, Gudas and Labushkin to me are NHL defensemen. But after that, you know, Jackson Lacombe, Lassie Thompson, who they just claimed on waivers. Urho uh, uh, Bekaninen. Like, how many of these guys are, are NHL defensemen regularly?
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's a fair question. I think it highlights the need to get Jamie Drysdale done. Look, it's been a grind. Uh, I don't think, as of this morning, I don't think they're anywhere closer on Zegras or Drysdale. Um, Why? Or now nine days because Pat Verbeek is a grinder, he's going to grind you right out. That's his MO as a GM. That's what he's presented to agents, to, to players. Um, and I think you had to overpay a bit AAV-wise to get Cullorn, uh yeah. coming off of the year that he had in Tampa. And obviously, Pat Verbeek knows and really likes Kalorn from his days in Tampa. But I think the other younger guys are looking at that. Even though Kalorn has won two Stanley Cups, They're like, he's 34 and he got 625 and you're going to grind me out on every dollar. I I've been here. I've been with this franchise. Yeah. Um, That part I think has been difficult. I'm interested to see what they do with Leo Carlson. um, Who I think is pretty darn close to being ready to step right into the NHL. Um, But you're right. The defense is holding them back. And obviously we've already talked about, the frustration with John Gibson. Um, what do you make of the Lassie Thompson waiver claim?
2: Well, I wonder if that, A, you know, I think they realize that they need help in their back end, but you know, does this just push Drysdale even farther away? Because they realize, well, we got another guy. We don't care, right? And I think Pat Verbeek, and if that's his stance, I don't mind it. Like, he's, he's being honest, but – um you know, they don't have much negotiating rights. Frank, it's the one time they don't with no arbrights. And I've always said this. So I'm When you have
3: 16 million in cap space, yes. why are you grinding them on arb rights? All well, you're no, doing I, is sending a message to everyone else that you're gonna put the wood to them.
2: Yeah, I'm not saying it's it's right, but it's consistent. So um, at least, you know, you just asked the question, what's the plan in San Jose? At least you know what the negotiating plan of Verbeek is. We can disagree with it, but at least we know what it is.
3: Yeah, and at least we know what the plan is for Anaheim. Like, they're they're full-scale rebuilding, and they're adding pieces like Killorn, Gudas, and Labushkin just to make sure that their guys don't get beat up in the meantime. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. it. They're support pieces. They're, they're mm-hmm. infrastructure. They're scaffolding. However you want to think about it. They're guys that are trying to just prop up and hold up everyone else in what's going to be another lean year. Yeah, yeah.
2: Oh, it's. uh, And then John Gibson, you wonder how uh, how long he stays there. So, the uh, the Ducks. Where do you think they finish? Seventh or eighth in the Pacific? Uh,
3: I think they finish eighth. Eighth,
2: just okay. Well, now, Zegris and and the longest these guys can hold out is what, November 30th? Well, it's not hold out. That's the wrong word. Uh, Have a contract stalemate. Yeah,
3: December 1st is the deadline. Yeah.
2: I I don't see them missing out on a full year. You might bite the bullet and just take a one-year deal. But the problem with that is then when you go to arbitration, if you don't have a good season, well, now arbitration doesn't help you as much.
3: Yeah, I mean, they're up against it now. I mean, signing now barely gets you back
2: for opening night. Yeah. So now let's go to the uh, Vancouver Canucks who had 83 points last season in the, uh, in the Pacific division, uh, which put them 17 behind uh, fourth place Seattle. So lots of, lots of ground to make up for the Vancouver Canucks. If we assume Seattle's a hundred point team and we can debate that. So, and 12 um, back of the playoffs. Yes. And uh, you look at the uh, Canucks and they made some significant moves, right? As uh, obviously they, uh, They bought out uh, Oliver Ekman Larson and this year it's a buyout that makes tons of sense because he's got like 146 K on the cap in three years. There's two, you know, year three and four, that buyout, 4.7, you know, they might not be loving it, but I understood why they did it. So look at overall top to bottom. When you look at the Canucks, what do you see? Playoff team. I think them in Calgary and Seattle, it's, and you know they're battling for the third and fourth. I mean the fourth and fifth spot because I do believe five teams in the Pacific are going to make it this year. Yeah, I,
3: I agree with you, and I think those are the three teams right there. Um, what order they finish in, I think you can just flip a coin right now to start the year. Um, that means one of those teams is going to be out, though. One of Calgary, Vancouver, or Seattle, I think, is out. Yes. And I think it's – I personally think it's Seattle, but we'll get to them in a second. Um, I just like the changes Vancouver made. I've talked about this before. Um, Their back end is so totally different than if you look at their back end to open last season. It just – it's – you now have true, bona fide, competent NHL defensemen. when you're asking Ethan bear and Jack Rathbone and all these other guys to do stuff last year, um, that's Kyle Burrows. Like not, I'm not knocking guy. It's just, you're, you were asking a lot. Ethan bear played 61 games last year.
2: Yeah. he played 18 and a half minutes. So Ethan bear, Luke Shen, who played 55, Ekman Larson, who played 54, Kyle Burroughs, who played 48. They were third. Riley to Stillman six. played 32. Yeah. So they were the 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 number three to number seven defense when They're gone. Quinn Hughes and Tyler Myers are uh, still here. They they brought in Philip Ronick, but he only played four games last year. So he's yeah, don't essentially. Don't overlook
3: you. a full season of him.
2: Yes. Carson Soucy, Ian Cole, and then uh, Rathbone, who only played 11 games last year. Him and Matt Irwin look like they're going to battle for the number six spot on the uh, on the back end right and and that's their defense but it's you know if you look at their top 5 you know 60% of their top 5 is new in Heronic Susie and Cole so that's that's a significant change
3: yeah Heronic should be so his career average is 42 points a season he's at, he averages a half point per game a little more than that yeah so you get a full year from him Susie adds some real size and You then have Ian Cole, who we talked to on Frankly Speaking. I I highly recommend you check out the interview, and not just because I did it, but because the insight from Cole, I think, was tremendous. He was saying the reason he ended up signing in Vancouver is because he got a real pitch and sense from Jim Rutherford and Patrick Alvine, who he played for in Pittsburgh and won two Stanley Cups, that they're sick of losing. That was the pitch. We're sick of it. and you can tell when you go there, as I stopped in Vancouver last week, that they, that they truly are sick of losing and that it's time to make a statement. Um, Cole has a personal nine year playoff streak on the line. He's played on a team every year for the last nine years that has an authentic chance to win the Stanley cup. And he picked the Canucks in free agency and had plenty of other options. So Uh, I'm not saying that's the end all be all, but you can get a sense just from being there that they're serious and they need they know they need a good start. They've acknowledged and talked about that. Their season has been sunk the last few years pretty early on. And I I think a healthy Thatcher Demko is an absolute game changer.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. he only played 32 games last year. And in the 32 games he played, he didn't have great numbers by his standards.
3: Right I don't now. I disagree with that. And I'll show you why. Okay. So he he played from the season opener until December first. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he told me on the pod that he completely tore his groin and almost needed surgery. During those 15 games, which ultimately, and I'm not saying it's his fault, ended up High-boshing the Canucks season, he had an 883 save percentage in those 15 games. Yeah. Okay. So wait. He comes back and finishes out his second half of the year in games played. 17 games played, finally fully healthy, 918 with an 11-4-2 record. For the first time this summer in a while, and he wasn't healthy, I don't think, going into last season. For the first time in a while, he's completely healthy and had a full season, full off season to prepare. I'm picking Thatcher Demko to win the Vezina.
2: Hey, I like Demko, but it doesn't change the fact that his stats were 901 and 316 goals against. That's the whole season. We can pick apart why they were there, and I don't disagree that he was injured, and it was obvious that he was injured. But Thatcher Demko, a he only played 32 games, and b his average of. of uh, a 901 save percentage, I'll guarantee will be significantly higher. But it's, higher it's an
3: that. utterly, it's an utter career outlier. I don't like, I yeah. take it and I throw it right out. His last two seasons prior to that, 99 games played 915 save percentage.
2: Yeah, well, that's what I said. In it the was top
3: a, seven in the league.
2: Yeah, that's why I said he did not have a, a, a season that was close to what's normal for him. So he gets back to normal. I think that's automatic seven more wins just from him plus maybe more considering how many more games he's going to play. If he's healthy, like Demko is at least a 55 start goaltender, I think for Vancouver.
3: Uh, I think that is, is supposed to be something like the split. Like I think they'd prefer to not have him playing much more than 55. Yeah. And that's going to be an interesting threshold to watch, not just in Vancouver, but I think throughout the league, how many teams end up playing their goalie more than 60. Some will have to be out of necessity. Like we're not talking Pacific today. We're talking, or sorry, we're not talking Central today. We're talking Pacific. But Colorado and Georgiev, he already played sixty some last year. Francois is hurt. They're looking for another guy. He's he's probably going to be asked to play sixty again.
2: Yeah, not ideal. The one question mark I have in Vancouver is their bottom six. I really like their top six: Kuzmenko and Miller and and Peterson and you know Brock Besser. That, that, to me, I have no problem with who their top six forwards are going to be. Uh, Beauvillier, I think, is is a solid, uh, decent uh, top six forward. But I look at their depth guys, Frank. And now they did bring in Teddy Bluger and Pree Suter. And Pre Suter had lots of uh, suitors. And, uh, you know, they, they got him on a two-year deal at uh, at 1.6. You know, the question there is going to be, you know, Nils Hoaglander. Dakota, Joshua, Giuseppe, Sheldon Drees, Jacka, Studnika, and then even, you know, some other guys who the roster isn't filled out yet. Like Pod Colson, what can he do? Is Nils Amund Colson was
3: already sent down.
2: Yeah. They well, need- Amund's played, he played 68 games last year. He only had, I think, 12 or 16 points. And yeah. I just wonder, is he even on the roster this year or yeah, is, he is he better? Yeah.
3: Um, I, I think they need Hoaglander to pop. That I think that's the truth. Yeah. Um, Connor Garland at some point will probably get an opportunity to play in the top six, but the fact that he isn't right now and is is looking like he might start in the bottom six, um, I think is healthy for the Canucks. I think it it shows you that their depth has improved. Souter, he's not gonna wow you, but he still piles up some points every year. Beauvilliers at an interesting intersection in his career. Pedersen, obviously we've talked about is highly motivated. And I think they like, for me, adding someone like Teddy Bluger, third line, fourth line center, whatever you want to call him, is the perfect addition. Their special teams are a big question mark and not so much the power play. It's sort they're, of been hovering of around tough. ninth to 11th, but their power play, or sorry, their penalty kill is thirty second two years in a row, or thirty second and thirty first.
2: Yeah, Bluger like is
3: is going to help in a big way with that. You would hope so. That's yeah. that's why they got him. So I don't really care if he gives you ten to twelve goals, which I think he can. Can you take a, the penalty kill that was thirty second in the league? Just get to like sixteenth. You're you're between. Uh, an improvement on that end, a healthy Demko and the back end that I think is significantly improved. That's a pretty easy way to make up twelve points.
2: Yeah, and the other guy, Frank, to me, kind of the wild card for their forward group because when he played last year, he gave them really good value. You know, he was on pace to be a twenty-six goal scorer in McKeef, and so if McKeef can stay healthy, which you know, and, and how can he perform coming off the injury? To me, it you know, that's like found money if he comes back and plays well.
3: And can Kuzmenko go and do it again? Kuzmenko, f- 39 goals, so almost 40 and 74 points last year.
2: Yeah, I think he can. I, I, I really can like too. him as a player. Yeah, smart player.
3: It's and like, playing with Pedersen, like he should be A-OK.
2: Now, did you pick Pedersen to finish third in league scoring?
3: I, no, I don't. Okay, because
2: somebody. I don't get picked-
3: that granular, I don't think.
2: Yeah, some somebody picked him to finish third, and I was like, you know what? Yeah, you know, obviously most people are assuming it's McDavid and Drysaddle; they're going to be one, two. But I, I did find it, uh, you know, interesting that uh, Pedersen, who hey, he was he was up last there last year. season, right? He was like he's he's a, he's a decent player. There's no question about it. So, um, what was he last year? I think he was he was
3: tenth, hundred and two points.
2: Yeah, so he
3: needs to score a few more goals. Get him to fifty.
2: 50 goals hard,
3: man. I know he got, he's, he's at 39 last year.
2: Yeah. like he get his wrist shots last snapshot is, is pretty deadly for sure. So I think, you know, their, their back end didn't really produce a lot of points. Frank, they didn't move the puck up very well. I think that outside of Quinn Hughes, of course, but I, I think that's where you could see some, uh a few more points for Pedersen. If, if his D men are moving the puck a little bit better up the ice.
3: Quinn Hughes. The number for me, the number one puck mover on the back end in the whole league.
2: And hey, you know who I talked to guys if in that Vancouver sounds part.
3: like hyperbole. He literally completes more passes than any defenseman in the league.
2: Yeah. Oh no, he's a good defenseman. I don't know any question, but Tyler Myers. I know it's only preseason, but there's lots of people in Vancouver that are really high on how Tyler Myers has looked so far.
3: I I share that. I, I know it's only one practice, but I've paid attention in his. In his preseason games that he's played, he's looked good. He looks like he's moving well, and his puck skills, I think, are excellent. So this is a big year for him, contract year. Um, It's a big year for the Canucks. That's why he's still there. They have a lot of tough decisions to make if they tank their season again in the first couple months.
2: Now let's move to the Calgary Flames, who had 17 overtime slash shootout losses and missed the playoffs by two points last year. Um, I I think Calgary and and they had Jacob Markstrom at a brutal season. Let's call spade a spade here. He was not good at all. Um, It's been very uh, yo-yo ish for him in Calgary in his three years. And the good news for flame fans is that uh, it looks like this would be the year based on the past that he, he bounces back and if he has a good season, like, even if he just has a 900 say percentage, Frank, the, the Flames make the playoffs. He doesn't have to be great. They would have made it. Um, they had a lot of losses. They've, they've had, obviously, some change over there. The biggest one, uh, I think, being their coach, right? Uh, their back end still has Uyghur and Hannafin and Anderson and Tan Evans a door off. So, you know, their top 5D are good. Um, you know, I expect Jonathan Huberdo he's got to produce way more points than he had last season. Um, they just he signed Backland to a two-year deal. They gave the con- game the C, so, so he's back. Now, Elias Lindholm, obviously, they're still waiting on, and their whole decor, except Rasmus Anderson and Weger, are all UFAs at the end of the season. So to me, the interesting thing about the Flames is, how does the season go, and if it's going well, how many of those guys re-sign? I think you're going to see more and more. I, I think they're pushing really hard to get Lindholm done before
3: uh, camp breaks. They'd love to have that done before opening night. I think he's more open to it than he's ever been, and I think Backlund, Backlund signing and then being named captain is—he's like Craig Conroy's personal salesman now. He's just in there, and he said, "I asked him about the idea of that. You can hear that later this week on Frankly Speaking, my interviews with Craig Conroy, Ryan Huska, Jonathan Huberto, and Michael Backlund. He was saying, like, you know, I can't be over the top in trying to get these guys to re-sign, but he said, 'I'm, I'm definitely going to be mentioning it.'" Um, because he's someone that really was the first one to take the plunge in a year where a lot of people were hesitant and they're like, Oh, I want to see what happens with this team. So he's, I think he's going to be a critical piece. And he's also obviously coming off of a career year. So he's got some good hockey left in him. And I think the two-year term for backland was perfect. Um, but they're, they're working hard to try and get Lindholm
2: done next. And uh, the Calgary Flames have significant changes in their forward group. Um, they are going, uh, you know, a lot younger. You know, Toffoli's gone. Um, Trevor Lewis, Milan Lucic, Brett Ritchie, uh, they're all gone. And uh, they've brought in, obviously, in the trade, uh, Igor Shar- uh, Sharangovich is in. And then you've got the young guys like, you know, Coronado, you know, Jacob Pelche thinks they're going to play more. Uh, Walker Dewar did play last season. So to yeah, me, that's a year. changeover. That, uh, yeah. you know, their they're young guys might see even more more opportunities this year. I really liked Walker Dewar last year.
3: Um, I think the Flames have some pretty good players. Peltier, I think, can take a, a big step forward. Um, I like this team. I liked this team last year, and that's you, you hit on some of the things. Um, the overtime shootout losses, the one-goal losses, the poor play from Jacob Markstrom. Um, Almost everything that could go wrong last year did. I think the only maybe scary part for Calgary is that all of those things went wrong and they were still totally healthy for the most part. So what happens if they run into some injury issues? I guess you could ask that a question about any team, but that would be one sort of lingering concern in the back of my head is that everyone was healthy. I think the Flames are a playoff team as currently constituted.
2: It's hard to argue when you, when you break down their numbers, because to me, I think the easiest thing is just get better goaltending. And if they get better goaltending and it doesn't, like I said, it doesn't have to be great. Like Jacob Markstrom had such a bad season.
3: And it and, doesn't, and the, I was going to say, it doesn't have to be just Markstrom.
2: No, Vladar. if they get
3: to a spot where Vladar and if they trade Vladar, which I don't think there's been a ton of interest in the last, you know, number of weeks. I don't, I just don't think there's teams ready and willing to spend for a goalie. We talked about how this is a copycat league and everyone watched Aiden Hill and what they spent teams feel like they don't have to. We'll see if that changes this year, but Vladar in a perfect world is playing somewhere else and they get a second round pick for him. Wolf is ready, but in the meantime, Wolf is waiver exempt and they're, the plan is at least if Ladar is still there to send Wolf to the to the Wranglers and have him play a bunch of games until they can figure out what to do but my point is if Markstrom can't do it if he's not able to be the guy that bounces back and we're not he doesn't need to be 922 Jacob Markstrom that he was 2 years ago but 892 is no good and if he could be somewhere in the middle of that the Flames are a playoff team
2: All right wow I think it's going to be difficult, Frank, to have eleven overtime losses like they had last year. That's that's hard I to mean, match. One, lone man, What
3: blown third period leads did they have? I mean, oh god, it was yeah. it was an ugly, ugly situation last year, and the vibes are different this year. And the players, a number of them, use the term underdog, especially in their market. I think you and I and outside people are like, oh yeah, Calgary's probably a pretty good team. That market, they're not expecting much. And I think they're an underdog in their own market.
4: Hmm.
2: Yeah. I think they're, you know, Vancouver, Calgary, and uh, Seattle, who we'll get to. But first, we're going to bring in uh, Tyler Yaremchuk as we are in the
5: middle of the Pacific Division preview. Yeah, giddy up, boys. I got a Pacific Division-themed edition of Fill in the Blank. And as always, it is brought to you by our friends over at Batano. They got a couple of interesting prop bets when it comes to the Pacific, but one of them that I wanted to float your guys' way is this. There is a blank percent chance that a Pacific division team wins the Stanley Cup for a second consecutive year. Blank percent chance the Cup winners from the Pacific. Gregor, what do you say?
2: Well, I think Edmonton and Vegas would be you know two of the legit Stanley Cup contenders. I'm not sure the other teams um la maybe but so if we say there's seven legit you, you said you said the other day there's 10 you had 10 yeah i thought yeah 10 teams that have a real but i wouldn't say legit there's always a few uh, you know surprises but i would say two out of seven so whatever the odds of that is 30 just under so yeah that's what i'll say i'll say 28 percent chance
5: all right frank
3: I was, I was going to say 30. So you, you're, the math you did was kind of exactly how I was thinking of it. Yeah, So I'll say, tw- I'll say 25.
5: Yeah, so just as good of a chance as kind of every other division. It would be the answer, right? Kind of average. Uh, Botano has the math plus 240, which is implied odds of 29.14%. Ooh. So there you go. So above average, yep.
2: right? So that would be what I would think. I'd be curious how many other ones are higher.
3: Yeah, good job, Frank. You really put a stake in the ground saying twenty five percent.
5: Twenty five percent out of the four divisions, you nailed it. So you're um,
3: saying there's a chance.
5: Yeah, I mean, we'll get to the other divisions. Uh, or I can, I guess, I can give you the answers now. Um, the winning division, it's the Atlantic, who's actually the favorites at plus two twenty five, and then That's the Met
3: because they're drinking the Maple Leafs Kool Aid.
5: Yeah, and then the Metro at plus two sixty, and according to the betting odds, the division with the least. Percent chance to win the Stanley Cup is the Central, which...
3: That's crazy to me because, first off, my Cup pick is coming out of there, but also, like, don't sleep on Carolina. Or, Colorado. The yeah. wrong C team. Colorado. Yeah.
5: Fair enough. Uh, you guys started at the bottom here. Talked about the Ducks and Sharks. That ties into your next one. Blank will finish last in the Pacific Division. Frank?
3: I'm going with the Ducks. Ooh, really? Yeah, I just uh, think the Sharks, like... Oddly, like, improved on the margins, and I don't quite understand it, but
2: sure. Yeah. I will take the San Jose Sharks. Mm-hmm. I think Zegers gets signed eventually, and uh, that that jumpstarts them. And I like the Ducks' physicality on the blue line. It, it, at least they'll be entertaining to watch, I'll say this. Live Bushkin hits like a train, and Radko Gudis is nasty, so... Uh, opposing teams or opposing forwards will keep their head up with those two on the ice.
5: Yeah, I agree with you. I think I'd have uh, the Sharks coming in last as well. I just I think there should be some sort of excitement with that Ducks roster this year. Uh, Moving along to the third one I got for you guys. Uh, Blank will see their point total rise the most from last season. Just a reminder, Vancouver finished with 83. Calgary finished with. 93 san jose 60 anaheim 58 if you're in the mood to pick one of those but blank will see their point total rise the most gregs
2: yeah i'm going vancouver i I think this is probably the easy pick captain obvious just because they got the most room to grow like vegas and edmonton how much more points can they get um seattle i don't see getting uh, that much of an increase or la so i will take the vancouver canucks i think they will
5: improve by at least 12 points
3: Agreed. I think they're definitely the team with the biggest upward mobility.
5: Fair enough. And we'll wrap up uh with this from our friends at Betano. Odds for Major League Baseball's Wild Card Round. Frank, your Phillies massive massive favorites against the Marlins coming in at -182, but you can get them at +180 to sweep the series. Against the Marlins and then my Toronto Blue Jays are slight underdogs rolling into Minnesota to take on the Twins. They are even money. If you believe in the Jays ability to sweep the series, you can get them at three to one, which I'm tempted to do. But I know I'm just being an absolute homer with that. We'll see. We'll see. Maybe a Jays Phillies World Series. Frank, you never know.
3: Yeah, I don't think so.
5: All right. That's a wrap for me in this week's edition of uh, fill in the blank.
0: That's right, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promo rate for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com.
2: Yeah, that would be tough. Although, you know, that probably benefits Toronto. They're starting on the road because they have been meh on home field this year, so. And honestly, the, them kind of tank in the last few days frank they finished sixth instead of fifth they play a minnesota team that has 12 fewer wins than tampa who would have been the other team and i know tampa's banged up but in theory it might help them at least win around.
3: i this jay's team was kind of a frustrating one to watch if i'm saying it politely and I i just have big questions about the phillies too like their bullpen, to me, really scared me over the last six weeks. They didn't really get it together. Their bats have been hot, and I think they can get hot. It's, they have the starters with Wheeler and Nola. Just the bullpen, to me, giant question mark. Now, let's
2: get to the top four teams in the Pacific last season, finishing fourth, the only division with, a, with four 100-point teams, the Seattle Kraken in their second year, had 46 wins, finished with 100 points. Really good season for them, Frank. Do you see them repeating as a playoff team? And what concerns you? What interests you about the Kraken?
3: Well, they certainly can repeat as a playoff team. Like, and, I, and when I say that, I think they're going to be the team that misses. It's one of the more bold picks that I'm making um, because not only did they get in, but they won a round in Game Seven and then took the Stars to the conf to the Game Seven almost to go to the conference final. So to turn around and say that this team isn't going to make it, um, it's pretty interesting. But I just think they had so many guys last year that had career years that I think it's going to be difficult to duplicate. They had six 20-goal scorers last year. (laughs) Yeah. Can Jordan Eberle do it again? Yeah. Yeah, I think he can score 20 again. Can Bjorkstrand score twenty again? Sure. Will Jared McCann
4: score forty? I'd be very surprised.
2: I'll say this about McCann, man. Ever since coming to Seattle and getting opportunity, like he's been good. So you know he went but from it, but twenty. Just,
3: it's just a math thing here, and here's why. Yeah. He, he shot nineteen percent last year. His career average is twelve point one. His average in just Seattle, including the nineteen points. 19% is 164. He he's very likely to have a regression.
4: And Possible. I know I'm not
3: reinventing the wheel when I say that, but like let's subtract 10 and say he scores 30. And let's take a, away a few points from some other guys. But that's not really the entire basis for why I come to this conclusion on the Kraken. Um I I just don't like their goaltending and I haven't since I oh, got dude. there, I've been consistent in that.
2: Yeah, no, that to me is the big question. Seattle scored a hundred points despite having an eight ninety two save percentage combined amongst their goaltenders. Like it was actually eight ninety. Is it a, okay, eight? Okay, yeah. they're eight ninety. Sorry, LA was eight ninety two. Um, Martin Jones started forty two games. He was eight eighty seven. He played Phillip the Grubauer- most
3: games on the team last year, forty eight appearances, and he's now the third goalie for the Toronto Maple Leafs.
2: Yeah, Philip Grubauer who uh, was injured, started 36 games, 895. Joey Decord, who only started four, he was technically their best goalie at a 900 save percentage. So, you know, we talked earlier about- Joey
3: Decord might not even, is he going to be the backup this year? I guess he is. It's between him and Dreger.
2: Yeah. Like, my point is, their goaltending doesn't have to be great to be better, right? So let's say they lose a few goals- know get to a 900 save percentage like that can be a significant difference and that that can if you if you think some forwards are going to score 10 12 goals less here there if your goaltenders can average 900 that's a pretty big jump up for your team and then that kind of what would allow you
3: i get what you're saying what would give you the confidence to say that they're going
2: to get there well grubauer in the playoffs grubauer in the playoffs was really good okay Right, and so, and, and we see,
3: like he he still only had a nine oh three. Like, was he that good?
2: I thought it was pretty good. In the like, he had a few bad games, but well, not necessarily bad where they got lit up, but in a lot of the games, man, like I think they won the first round because of Grubauer. Okay. And so, at least to me, it shows he's capable of being better than he was in the regular season.
3: Five of his 14 games in the playoffs, he gave up four or more.
2: Yeah. you watch those games though? Like Seattle played run and gun, man. It was because that's what they were good at. Like they could score five on five and um, they only won one of those. They were one of four. Yeah. And I just, Hey, I don't have Seattle making the playoffs, so I don't want to come across being a defender. I just think Seattle, I agree with you that offensively when you have that many guys that are all going, there's a chance some get injured whatever you have that it might be difficult, but their coach does roll four lines, maybe better than any other team in the league. So it allows guys, but like, are they going to have somebody on the fourth line score 21 goals? Like Daniel Sprong did last year. I highly doubt it. Right. Like it, that it's to me, not just Sprong. That's really
3: the craziest part about their team is the depth scoring. They had basically 14 guys with 30 or more points. Oh yeah. it's great. Like Ryan Donato, 20, uh, he had 14 goals. Yanni Gord, he could probably, that number should go up a bit. He had 14 goals. Vince Dunn had 14 goals from the back end and 64 points. Ellie Tolvanen comes in as a waiver claim, 16 goals. Will that happen again? Probably not.
2: Well, 16 and 48. So could 16 happen again all year? hundred percent, but yeah, 16 and 48, you know, that puts him on pace to be like, uh, man, close to a 40, like 30 some goal score, right? So 35 goal score, give or take. So no, not 35, 28. So even if he's only 22, that's still a pretty good season. Basically
3: their entire roster last year had 20 points or more. I'm like, I'm all like, I'm talking, they had 18 skaters with 20 or more points. That's bananas. It's good depth. It's great depth. And could they do? could they do and duplicate part of that? I think they can. Can it all come together in spite of an 895 save percentage? I just I, – I don't see – and I get what you're saying about the playoffs. I look at Philip Grubauer and I say, okay, the last 94 games you've played, 891 save percentage, like I think you just are what you are at that point. That's fair. But maybe I'm wrong. Well, you look like- – I've been getting trashed on social media with, the, with my Kraken take. Kraken yeah. fans are like, you're an absolute clown. And that's fine. It's just if I I think there's five teams that make it from the Pacific, one of them's got to be out. And I think the easiest path to, you know, from 100 points down to, let's say, 92 is just the crack and having a good year, but not a great year.
2: Well, brand of 10 have 60 or sorry, Daniel Sprong, 21 goals, Ryan Donato, 14 goals and Morgan Geeky, nine goals. They're all gone. That fourth line was really good for them last year, and they're all gone. And they're essentially replaced by Kyler Yamamoto, uh, Cole Lynn, uh, Pierre-Edward Belmont, right? That's that's who they've replaced him with. So good luck. Um, it, are they going to get the same production there? Probably. I just don't
3: like... I think Yamamoto... Physically, there were things wrong with him last year. I also think his confidence is completely shaken.
2: Maybe. Now, what about Shane Wright? He's got the... He's but yeah, got Yamamoto, ability. though,
3: by the way, kind of going home-ish.
2: He's yeah. a Washington kid. Oh, yeah, no, that's the closest to his – for him, like, it's a going home. But what do you make of Shane Wright? And are we going to see Shane Wright play a significant amount of games for the Kraken this year?
3: I don't know about Shane Wright. He just wasn't – like, I watched some of their Calder Cup games. Like, I just, I just don't think he's there. Will he play some games? He probably will. I think he's got a long way to go is the easiest way to say it.
2: And then my, my next question, Frank, is, does, is this a trial period by the NHL? And are we going to see more players following the footsteps of Shane Wright as far no. as getting? No. So This is a why, one-off, rare exception. Yeah. Why do you think he got it? And for those who don't know, he got, an ex- he got an exception that he can play at 19 in the American League, being a CHL player, which normally you can't.
3: I don't really get why he got it because I don't even think he's the best case in the minors to get it or the best case for a guy that might not make a team. It's a a really tough one. Matt Savoy is the same same situation. Picked, I think, five picks behind Wright. He was the ninth overall pick. He spent more time, more games um, in the dub than Shane Wright has. Yeah, in the O. He's in the dub, yeah. Oh, no, same. no, that Shane Wright has. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same idea. I just think when you line everything up, age, he misses it by one day. One day, he's born on January first. One day earlier, December thirty first, and he's playing in the AHL this year.
2: <laughs> yeah. So that's a yeah, tough a, one. Yeah. Now, although I'll say this, Frank, we have a long history of players playing their nineteen-year-old season in major junior and going on to excellent careers. The the garbage take ever is that you have to rush teenagers and they've got to play against Man, Shane Wright hasn't dominated the OHL to the level that we've seen dominant players dominated at. He simply hasn't. So good for him if they think this is good. He's going to get paid like a pro. But um, I hope this isn't the start of uh, teams applying for this because I don't believe that it's the best thing.
3: I... Okay, well, this is a a tangent, and I I don't want to go off on a deep one because we still have more to to get through in the Pacific, but I think the whole NHL-CHL agreement needs to be blown up. I'm sorry, but the needs of major junior teams being put over the needs of NHL franchises is absolutely, utterly insane. And I don't care about small market operators. I don't care about propping these leagues and teams up doesn't matter anymore. It shouldn't matter anymore. That's a 1960s, 70s, and 80s thought process. This is a billion-dollar team. Each of these teams, essentially, with the Sens getting a billion bucks, are billion-dollar enterprises. To, to care what the Kingston front enacts or just to pick a random team, whoever it is, the Wenatchee
4: Wild, I don't give a shit what you think or what you need.
2: The
3: best place for Shane Wright to play is probably the AHL.
2: Nah, I disagree. Why? Uh, whole, He's because under Hall-
3: team control with team coaches that are in his own organization telling him exactly what they want. He leaves, goes back to the OHL, for instance, let's say, which we know isn't happening. He's not in your organization anymore. Someone else is developing him with a totally different set of goals and circumstances, and it's not to develop him, it's to win.
2: Yeah. Okay. So then let's look at the track record of NHL teams who are, who are these. So I don't care if it's about developing their own player because most of them aren't smart enough to understand that teenagers aren't ready and it's physically not ready. It's mentally not ready. And they rush. AHL.
3: If I'm saying if you, if you get rid of, and, and as soon as you draft a player, you can immediately put them in your AHL team. All of a sudden that league becomes a lot better. First off.
2: No, because they're, they're not, go look at Frank, go look at the 20 year olds in the AHL who get their ass handed to them.
3: Yeah, but I'm going to do adding more 18, 19 and 20 year olds in the AHL is going to bump out a lot of those older guys that are just career AHL players that really have no business playing in a developmental
2: league. Uh, They help guys learn these 18. You're still going to play against majority men and you get your ass handed to you. Now use your, you talked about Kyler Yamamoto's confidence. These guys have been big time scorers. They go to the American League and they get shit on because they're not physically as strong. I don't care if the AHL is still a good league. It's still men for the majority of them. And while they might not be as skilled or and in a lot of cases not as consistent, they're just as strong outside of the elite players, of course, in the NHL. And all you got to do is look at the amount of 20 year olds who came out of junior at 20 and got their ass handed to them and were never the same and never developed. And everybody's like, oh, look at it. And because there's way more of them. There's way more than. I'm just saying so it's I'll...
3: pure lunacy that we're picking the needs of major junior franchises. Oh, we need our star player back.
2: We. Yeah, need... I don't even know if it's, I think it's protecting the NHL from their own stupidity, in my opinion.
3: I, this... I don't. That's. I. I think that's the opposite of the case. I think it's. This is the way it's always been. No one's ever really questioned it. They're like, oh yeah, like CHL teams need to be propped up. They need their star players back.
2: But look at how many European guys, Frank, that can come at 19. They don't, they stay in Europe. Why? Because it's better for their development.
3: But I'm saying, what if you fundamentally change the whole AHL model? Meaning it's it's purely, truly, really a developmental league. Instead of just saying that it is. And you inject all of those
4: players from every franchise.
2: Yeah. I'm, if we I'm not really sure want to change
3: the development model, that's how you do it.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Oh. I'm not. It's an the interesting. The fact talk. that Matt
3: Savoy needs to go back to junior because what you here's how you ruin the player is you present either NHL or CHL. Frank, that's Matt your Savoy, only option.
2: Just, just for the record, Matt Savoy didn't even make the World Junior team last year. Are you saying that he's, he can't still benefit from developing in junior? Yeah, I'm, the I'm the saying he's team.
3: probably done just about 95 points last year. He's probably done just about everything he could do.
2: Well, they were a stacked team, right? So they beat up like they beat up on some pretty weak teams. And I'm not down on Matt Savoy. I'm just looking at it. Here's a guy who didn't even make the world junior team and now we wanna rush from the AHL. I don't think there's anything wrong with Matt All Savoy. All I'm saying is, is what you've points. created
3: is the Sabres either need to keep him or send him to junior. That's those yeah. are neither neither options ideal. Yeah. And the fact that you don't have a choice and the fact that Shane Wright was granted an exception, it's 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 stupid.
2: Well, that part I agree with. The last part I don't understand why I got it compared to everybody else. But I will say, history says rushing guys to pro hockey is what more so ruins them. Now, if you want to change the whole league, you're talking a monumental shift that's much bigger than just having a few 19 year olds in the A. I want that's right, what I'd
3: like a monumental shift. The whole because right now be changed.
2: Right now, the European guys aren't. Uh, they have the ability to do it, and they don't. They don't come over and play a lot of them as 19 year olds either. Because they're not ready. Okay, I, right. Just so. it's a, it's a good debate. Yeah, it's interesting to see if it would change. It would be a monumental shift. But then I'd wonder if you have less men that you're playing against. How how good is the league developing now? They're going to bring kids that have maybe played two years in the eight and they're okay. But they now they play against majority men, and they get crushed. So I isn't know. the I age think like a lots of guys balance the strike? Yeah, it's funny. I've talked to a lot of players who tell me the jump from junior to the AHL is harder than the jump from the AHL to the NHL. Okay, let's get back to the preview. Sorry for the tangent. Hey, no problem. I love it. Um, Three teams left, the LA Kings, and they made the biggest acquisition, I think, in the offseason in the Pacific Division. In the entire uh, league, you could argue. Pierre-Luc Dubois. Now, they gave up a lot of depth. But uh, they get Dubois, they've got, you know, some could argue maybe the best one, two, three center punch. I'm not sure if they have like a dominant number one center anymore, but they got three really good centers. Are the Kings built in your eyes to beat Vegas or Remington? Are they better? I think they're built to give them a run for the money, yes.
3: Are they better? I think they (sighs) – I know you could say this about every team, and we've debated this with almost every team – no team is making a gamble in net quite like the Kings. <laughs> I like their D. I like their forwards. But Phoenix Copley and Cam Talbot as your tandem for a grand total of two and a half million bucks is a crazy, crazy bet on a team that has been a playoff team for two consecutive years, is on the upswing why yeah okay so question. let's say you're like okay uh, Todd McClellan and Cam Talbot clearly there's a trust factor there right and you're like I yeah. like the way Cam Talbot played last year which he was sub 900 he also wasn't healthy and hasn't really like to me it's can you demonstrate that you're healthy for a full year
4: and then Phoenix Copley can he do it again
3: his numbers were just okay. 37 yeah. games played 903, but he won a lot. What does it all mean? Tell me.
2: Yeah, he was, I think he was like 24, six and three. It was crazy, crazy,
3: crazy win percentage, but like, yeah. despite not having great actual
2: save percentage numbers. Well, you look at the Pacific division, Frank, last year, even though they had four teams with hundred points, No question across the board, they had the weakest combined goaltending of any division, right? Logan Thompson, who played 37 games, had the best save percentage in the division, and he was uh, 12th in the league. Then you went to Skinner, who was 14th, and Copley was third at 903, third at 903 uh, in the Pacific. So there's so many teams that, you know, we'll get to Edmonton, like you get to Vegas, like Aiden Hill came out of nowhere in the postseason. And so can he repeat that? We'll see. Maybe he's that late developing goaltender, which we've seen a lot of. But you're right about L.A. It it is a it's a gamble for sure, because, um, you know, Corpus came in. And even though Copley had played well in one of those games, the minute they got Corpus he became their starter. Right. So last year they said we like him better. And then this year they just didn't like him better at the contract. So I think L.A., if I'm not mistaken, has the least amount of money between their two starting goalies combined in the NHL.
3: It's like so either, the least almost in NHL history. Like you yeah. have to go back to like, I think it was the flyers in 2010 that went to the Stanley cup final with Brian Boucher and Michael Layton. You <laughs> won't find anyone that spent a combined
2: less than that. So either Frank, they're going to get unbelievable value or your questions like a lot of others are going to be like, yep. Why would they go into the season like that?
3: So then is it fair to ask though up front when you trade basically three players for one, if they're, if they actually improved?
2: Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's a fair question. Like they got the best player of the four in the trade, right? I I don't think that's not many people. Not know. I know I like Gabe Velarde, but I don't think he's on the level of uh, of Pierre-Luc Dubois. So um, I'm kind of curious to see how Dubois does uh, in LA. Um, I, I'm assuming he's going to get the most offensive situations. I could be wrong. But um, when I look at them, you got, you know, Fiala. Adrian Kempe has become a really underrated, yep. you know, 35 goal scorer. Um, you know, Trevor Moore, they've, they've got a good top nine. Quinton Byfield, to me, Frank, is the wild card. Like, yeah, he's, he's such a big in. kid. And I don't know if this is the year, but I think at some point, eventually one year, we're going to see a pop from him. And when it does, like Arthur Kaliev on your fourth line is a dangerous shooter, right? Doesn't play a ton, but he doesn't need a lot of opportunities. I like the Kings overall depth because the guys they lost down their lineup, I think they had enough depth to replace them.
3: Well, will Byfield pop?
2: Yeah, that's quite, I don't know. I mean, he might
3: not, like the truth is he might not. I'm not betting, I wouldn't bet against him, but it is entirely possible that he doesn't. And Byfield ends up becoming the next. uh, Alex Galchenyuk. No, I was going to say, um, God, I'm blanking on the guy's name. The big center they got last year at the trade deadline in Edmonton.
2: Nick Bugstad.
3: Yeah. does just Byfield just become the next Nick Bugstad?
2: Yeah. He's still so young. That's what's crazy, right? Like he's going to be in the league a long time, but he's still really young. And, um, I, uh, He's such a big, huge man that there's lots of lots of data. He was that a 6'6".
3: like yeah, oh yeah, and, no, and had some high pedigree. I mean, not quite as high as number two overall, but he was still a first round pick, and came in and scored twenty four goals in a season.
2: Yeah, got a huge contract in Florida.
3: Yeah, I mean that's,
2: that's not to say. Pick. It's an interesting comparison, honestly, because just I don't care where, what number you are in the first round, but what body type, size, everything. And, you know, it had a good year and then was never able to be the same. Byfield hasn't had that year yet. But the one thing that Byfield has the advantage, Frank, is he's going to be able to play with a Dubois or a Kopitar or a Deneau. So he's got a pretty good centerman either way. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So where do you have the Kings finishing in the Unless center?
3: you want him to be a center. Yeah, well, that's a very valid point. Isn't that the point? Don't they want him to be a center? Wow.
2: Yeah, now Dubois can play the wing too. I, and I know Todd McClellan was talking about that. So maybe that's what they do.
3: Hmm. I think the Kings are pretty good.
2: Where are they finish in the Pacific? Third. Third. So now we come to the top two who uh, met in the second round. Vegas wins goes on to win the Stanley Cup. Marcia so said, hey, they push us harder than anybody. And, you know, neither team really made any changes. You look at Edmonton. Now they lost Bukestad, Clem Kostin. They opted to, you know, Kyler Yamamoto. He's out. Um, they basically, I think Dylan Holloway will will take on more of a role this season. He'll be a full-time NHLer. So there's one guy who fills the spot. And then it's either going to be, you know, Lane Peterson, Adam Ernie, um, who else is battling right now, um for LeVoy. that spot. Brad Brad Malone, maybe. You know, Brandon Sutter just announced his retirement. So, so he's out of the equation there. Um what does Lavois
3: diff- make it? Yes or no? Well,
2: that's a really good question. Um, he's put every game He's getting better, Frank. And so I I think he's like Sutter retiring, I think really benefits Raphael Lavois more than anybody. And so it's gonna come down to the final three games. Now you play majority NHL rosters and I want to see how Lavoie fares this week. I think, honestly, these three games are going to be the make or break for him. He bet on himself. I like it. Just took yes. his qualifying offer, didn't take less, and away he goes. So, he, you know, one of those guys will be the new guy. Their defense are the same. Skinner and, like a lot of other teams in the Pacific, can Jack Campbell bounce back? He's only played one game in the preseason, but he was the first star. He was excellent in Calgary on Friday. Good news for Campbell. It's going to be hard to be as bad as he was last year at 888. Right, he doesn't need to be what he was the previous four years. Average nine sixteen. I think that's really high. If he can be nine oh five to nine oh eight, Frank, I think they do cartwheels and everything. That would be humongous. Who plays
3: more games and what does the split look like? Skinner plays more, right? <sighs> Goaltending, so Ken and Holland, Frank. Ken Holland said the other day uh, in our Frankly Speaking interview series, the Oilers one drops later this week. He said it's going to be something like his math was a little off,
2: but he said something like 45, 35, uh, which would be 80, but I, I actually think it's going to end up being closer. I think Jack Campbell's going to bounce back this year. I really do. I think it's going to be like, a, and will Stuart Skinner be as good as he was? Yeah. I, yeah, I think it can be steady. I think it's going to be like a 43, 39, give or take, as long as both obviously excluding injuries. Cause if there's an injury, then obviously everything changes. Hmm. And And I'm not sold, I'm not sold 100% because 43-39 isn't a big gap. I'm not 100% sold that it's automatically Skinner. I think he's going to start. That's going to be their plan, Frank. But we've seen it across the league every year, man. Goaltending is voodoo. It's the hardest thing to predict. If anybody can predict it accurately outside of the top five goalies, I give you credit. Like, tell me who's going to be the breakout goalie this year. Somebody might guess and they'd be right, but it's going to be a wild card guess because honestly, I don't know. I agree.
3: Can Ryan Nugent Hopkins score 104 points again?
2: I don't think so. No, that was now the order's power play. I don't see it slowing down. So uh, he's very important on the power play gets a lot of puck touches. Um, so I could see like, and if he only, and I say only, if he only scores 90 points, it's still an unreal year for him. His career best was 69 prior to last season. Like that's a 35 point point. Career best season at his age unheard is so of. unheard of that it's to me, it's just obvious to think that there'll be a regression in points. Because I think Evander Kane, if he plays, uh, he only played 41 games. If he plays more games, he's going to get uh, a few more points. Like the order's already led the league in scoring last year, right? So somebody's going to, you know, give or take some of those points. And so I think it's going to be Nugent Hopkins.
3: So I asked the biggest Nugent fan on the planet, our guy, Bagged Milk at Oilers Nation. What is your Nuge point total this year? And he said
2: 70. Yeah, there you go. So I think I think that's a little bit low if he stays healthy just because of the power play. Like Nuge and Hoppigan is gonna score at least 45 points in the power play. I think the linchpin
3: to the Oilers offseason was was Brown. Now instead of having five legitimate excellent forwards, you have six. Yeah. And I think that makes that a big difference.
2: Yeah. He uh, and, and he he plays a very similar style to Zach Hyman. As far as he's just an energizer bunny, he's always going relentless. Yep. And so it it fits in with with what Emmonson wants. And the other thing, Frank,
3: it fits in also because he's on the right side. Like that was if there was one hole left for the Oilers in their top six, that was it. Yeah, by far. So and the the McDavid relationship and 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 the way the contract is structured, only seven seventy-five on the books this year. You're you're probably gonna have he's gonna eat all of your Cap increase for next year, which is fine, Um, but that's okay. Well, but You worry about that
2: next year. Yeah, you'll worry about it next year, and I'm not sure he'll be here next year because he's already going to be 3.25 as dead cap space and bonus overages. And if you re-sign him for four, it's like he's a $7 million player for you next year. It's going to be tough. Uh, Depending on what he does this year, maybe you make an argument that he's worth that. I don't know. Oh, yeah. No, he might. And the other thing I I don't think you can overlook is – is Connor McDavid. I don't think Sidney Crosby was just blowing smoke. I think McDavid, like that loss to Vegas last year was a kick in the gut, kick in the nuts multiple times. for them, that really hurt. Way more than the, like Colorado series, they weren't close. Colorado spanked them. They were infinitely better. They were very close with Vegas. And I think you can argue that at times, Edmonton beat themselves in the second periods of games five and six. I, I, and one, Frank, I don't, I keep hearing this notion from people that, well, the order is McDavid and Dreiselt will have to score less for them to win. It's the most idiotic statement ever. All you have to do is look at Leon Drysettle's final 35 games last year. The next person it, that says that should just be slapped. His shot for, his expected for, his goals for, his scoring chances for were all up by 5% and so were his points production five on five. You can, those guys. The, the crazy part is Connor McDavid last year, Frank, had his second lowest productive season five on five in his career. A second year, Connor McDavid scored more points five on five than he did last year. I think Connor McDavid, as good of a season as he had last year, he could have a better season. And it wasn't because of him, because his shooting percentage and his goals were up. It was the guys he was on the ice with. And you talk about Connor Brown. Look for Connor McDavid's five on five scoring to have a big jump this year, because if Kane's healthy and Connor Brown is in the lineup, that's a significant improvement over his two regular wingers last year. Oilers win the division. I would agree. And they end the longest drought in the NHL of not winning their division. They haven't done it since 1987. I wasn't alive. Yes. (laughs) Islanders, by the way, second longest at 1988. So I agree with the order. So now you have Vegas, Frank, and... Riley Smith and Phil Kessel are out. And that's really it. Like they're bringing back the gang, which why would you argue when they won the Stanley cup? And uh, first of all, let's go. What did you make of Mark stones preseason comments? Pretty emotional guys all fired up them and the Kings. You know, he gets rocked on, by the way, I'm sorry, Mark, but that's a clean hit. You don't have to like the yeah, player. I,
3: I kind of just, I thought that was, it was weak. It was like, it was basically him announcing to everyone, which like I, I know is true anyway, I'm not going hard in the preseason, so therefore it's embarrassing that you are. And it's like, that guy's trying to win a job. Yeah, And a lot of people like Hayden Hodgson. I'm not saying he's going to be an NHL player or whatever, but he was pretty highly sought after a guy after an interesting year and a couple of years in the AHL. Uh, He's trying to win a job, so I'm never going to fault a guy for working. No, And it's just interesting to me coming from sixth-round pick Mark Stone. a guy that never had an NHL career guaranteed and went on to become, you know, this awesome player be a little more respectful. I didn't see anything wrong with the hit.
2: I love the emotion though. It's a preseason game. You don't see that very often. And Frank, if, if LA dresses Hodgson for the first game against Vegas, it just, it's a storyline. That's fun. I'm not sure it'll happen. I'm probably betting the odds. It won't. It kind of reminds me
3: of that great Chris Pronger line. I forget it was, uh, it was during the Stanley Cup Final. Adam Barish, Adam Barish, I think, won the Cup with the Hawks and was like trashing Chris Pronger in a post-game interview. And on uh, locker cleanout day, uh, said something like, uh, "Adam Barish." The question was like, "Adam Barish says he's going to get you next year." And Chris Pronger goes, "Where's that? The Miners?" <laughs> and uh, that was that was the end of
2: Adam Barish. Yeah. So uh, Vegas, though, is there any is there any areas of concern at all for you?
3: Um, I, I like I know they got production and I know those guys were good. I do have some like look at the way their team is structured, like. Maybe they're the new model for success, but they've got such a top heavy forward group that by the nature of the way their cap is structured, Eichel at 10 million stone, nine and a half. And then you've got Carlson, Marceau, Barbashev all at five plus that basically their last six forwards are all sort of bargain basement depth guys. And I think they, you know, maybe it doesn't matter as much because they kind of prove that it didn't. And they, you know, they've gotten some like Brett Haddon had a great year last year, especially in the playoffs.
2: Um, William Carrier, Keegan Colzar, like those guys are good value at
3: 1.4. Yeah. I mean, but like Fayev, is he going to be good? Is he going to hold down a full-time spot?
2: He's going to get a chance.
3: I, I know they, yeah. they re-signed Cotter and like, like I'm just, if there is a question mark for me, it's that like, they got a huge, they've got a huge playoff from Michael Amadio and he had a pretty good regular season. That's the bet for their team.
2: Yeah. You know, the one guy, Frank, and he hasn't signed yet, but I think he will. Maxime Comtois on a PTO there. If you sign him for whatever it is, 800 grand, 900 grand, I think he can give you really good value. I, and I think he fits in. I think the emotion of Mark Stone and those guys are going to elevate Comtois to kind of maybe reach more of his potential. Because He's got all two years the physical ago, gifts. Yes. Big, can skate. He just, his motor, the pilot light isn't always on. And I think in Vegas, if your pilot light isn't on, the players will make you accountable. Yeah. Just so. playing in the fortress turns your pilot light on. Oof. So I actually think Comtois might be a really good
3: bargain basement deal for them. Just playing in the fortress makes you go from an overcooked noodle to a
2: javelin. <laughs> it is a rocking place. So you have Vegas second then right behind Edmonton?
3: Uh Yes. That was a line, by the way, from Billions on,
2: on Friday night, if you haven't watched it. Ooh, I haven't watched it. All right. So we, we both see, see Seattle. Now, who do you have fourth, Frank, Calgary or Vancouver?
3: I have Calgary. So I, my, my Pacific division is Edmonton, Vegas, LA, Calgary, Vancouver, Seattle, San Jose, Anaheim.
2: Okay. I'm going to, mine's the same, except I have Calgary third, LA fourth.
3: Got it. I'm agreeing with you. Yeah. so. So you have Seattle out. I know you said it, but yeah, even after talking it through, you have them out. Yeah, okay,
2: yeah, and and honestly, like I think they could be out by like what we saw last year, one point in the East. Like few I few things really make tight.
3: me more nervous than agreeing with you.
2: Yeah, well, nothing wrong just, with want to be right, Frank. Just, nothing wrong. You're you're getting smarter. It's good. Okay. I like it. Okay, well, we will chat um, Atlantic Division on Thursday. Friday. Thursday. Thursday. Thursdays this year. All right, Thursday pod okay, have a great week everyone. We'll talk to them
1: Thanks for listening to the DFO rundown with Sarah Voli and Gregor. Keep it locked on dailyfaceoff.com and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode.